Amen. I love those old timeless hymns, don't you? I have a lot of memories and speak a lot of things in my heart. I want you to open your Bible to the Gospel of John. John's Gospel, chapter number 20 is where we're going to be. 20th chapter of the Gospel of John. We're thankful that you're here and it's a great turnout, even with all the folks that are missing for various things. It seems like this is surgery month. we got a lot of folks out with surgery. Some are out of town, and so, but we're glad you're here. Grateful. How many of you are, are you've got a, a vacation planned? It's maybe a staycation, but you got, all right, you're going to take some time to get away, climb the mountains, or do something. And uh, the end of the month, Susie and Dixie and I are going to South Dakota. We're just going to rent a car and get away from everybody. Amen. And uh, we're going to go out and find General Custer wandering battlefields, and we're going to do some hiking and stuff like that. But um, but we're we're uh, praying for those that go, and let us know when you do, so we can pray for you, and pray the Lord will bless you. John chapter twenty. I want to begin reading in verse nineteen. John twenty, and verse number nineteen. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. When he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. And then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Can I just stop and interject this? In the middle of a horrendous time in the history of their nation and of the world, especially in the lives of these disciples, they were scattered and afraid, and if you were connected with Jesus here at the crucifixion time, it was difficult days for you. And so they're hiding. They're assembling behind locked doors. And Jesus comes and he speaks peace to them. And then he makes a statement that I think is incredible and in its importance to them. He said, as my Father has sent me, so send I. You know what he's saying to them? Even though everything around you seems to have come unglued, I still have a purpose for you. I've got a job for you. My Father sent me. I'm going to send you. I know things look dark. I know things are gloomy. I know things aren't well right now, but I want you to know that I have a plan and I have a purpose for your life. Can I say this to you? That even though this world in which you and I have lived in the last handful of months of our life is far different from the world that we entered this year in. Now, you've got to admit that's true. When January rolled across our doorstep, we... We had no idea what was going to happen in America and the world for that matter. Might do as well to be reminded that this pandemic is not just impacting America, it's impacting our friends around the world. And I do have friends in different places. Well, there is, there is things being dealt with here that are being dealt with everywhere else. And, and, and yet, Our world's unglued a bit, is it not? Our cities have been burned and anarchy has ruled. 
in so many places. And I think Jesus would say to us today, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. I have a plan for you. I've got a job for you. Can I just suggest this, maybe this... Can I just make a suggestion that may be shocking? You think that maybe since we're God's children and this is God's church, you think that maybe He would have us share His love with the world around us? Now, I have opinions. I think everybody does. I've got, I've got opinions on everything that we're facing in the world today. I personally believe with all of my heart that all of the racial division that's being fostered in our nation has a father that's behind it, and he's not made of flesh and blood. I believe his name is Satan. I think that's clear from the Scripture. Ethnicity shall rise against ethnicity. We will get to a place where we hate people simply because of the color of their skin. I can think of nothing more ludicrous if not for any reason, but at least the reason that you had no choice what your skin color was. So I'm proud I'm white. I, I went through Benjamin Moore paints, and I said, I want that color. No, that's not what happened. You were born how you are. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you worse. It doesn't make you anything. It just is who you are. You had no choice. Now, fortunately for me, I have Indian blood in me, and so I feel, I'm, I'm really proud of that. I, I really am. I, I like that. I, I, and so, you know, the truth of the matter is, here's the funny thing to me. If you, if you would trace you, you would trace me all the way back, you're going to run into some things. Okay? You're going to run into some people. You may not know this, but your granddaddy's granddaddy was a bootlegger. I can't prove that, but it could be true. I'm just saying, you know, all of this DNA test stuff that gets back, you, you, might, not be as, you might not be as pure, and there is no such thing as pure anyhow. Here's the truth of the matter is, God's made us all of one blood. That's the Bible. And so my goal and my job is to let people know that God loves them, whoever they are, wherever they are, wherever they came from. I don't care who your daddy is. I don't care who your mama is. I don't care who you have in prison. I don't care who you have in Congress. It doesn't. Listen, God is not depressed by your past, and He's not impressed by your present. Doesn't matter. None of that matters. Here's what matters. We're all sinners. Every last one of us, we're sinners. The only difference that's made in our life was when we put Jesus where He belongs, and that is as our Savior. So it's important. So He says unto them, Peace be still, and my Father send me, I send you, verse 22. And when He had said this, He breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Verse 24, but Thomas. Oh, boy, that word but there means, okay, we got an exception to this now. We got trouble. Here it is. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, by the way, it's interesting, it's 
fascinating. The word Didymus means twin. You know what the name Thomas means? Twin. So there are many people that feel like they think the fact that he was nicknamed not a son of thunder or, or not, you know, Judas Iscariot, Judas from the city of Cariot. He was named Didymus. It means twin. Many people feel like that of all the apostles, the one that looked most like Jesus was Thomas. And so they named him, he's the twin. He's the one that looks the most like the Lord. And yet he has such struggles with faith. So here's Thomas called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, boy, listen to this report of church. We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. Thomas, you won't believe it. We had church and Jesus was there. Okay. But he saith, he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my fingers in the spirit, into the spirit of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. And then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. And then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. But be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Father, help us now in these moments we spend. Do thy work in our hearts and lives. Lord, the work that only you can do. I can speak to ears, but only you can speak to hearts. And so I pray now during these moments we spend in your word that you would do that eternal work that that you would have done in each of our lives. We'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all of it. In the name of Jesus, I ask these things. Amen. One of the things that I love about our South Valley family is that we have such a wonderful diversity uh, within our, our church. We come from all different parts of the nation. We have people from north, south, east, and west. Some say you guys, some say youans, some say y'all, and some say nothing at all, just you. And, and I like that. We're, we're, we're from different backgrounds. We have people here whose dads were veterans. We have some here who, um, uh, you know, their father were railroaders, and some that worked oil fields, and some that were mechanics, and some that were from the city, and some that were from the country. They just, just everyday, average, faithful people. I'm grateful for everybody that God has brought our way. We have different ethnicities and ethnic backgrounds that are represented within our church. And I'm so thankful for all of that. How bland and blasé would the world be if we were all of one culture and all of one background. I find it fascinating to learn of different places. One of the joys of my life was for a number of years teaching world geography and, and I love a study of the peoples of the world. I'm grateful for that. And those differences in our church provide 
a health. It's a, it's a healthy thing for us to have that kind of diversity. And I'd like to suggest to you that there's no possible way that you can study the early church and the first century church without running face to face with the diversity of that church that was a melting pot of peoples of the world. And so it should be. And that's a healthy thing. We also have not only diversities, differences amongst us, but we have some things that are in common that I think are also healthy. We, we know Christ is our Savior, and without Him, we're nothing more than a religious uh, fraternity, a gathering together of people so that we can go through our little you know, routine rituals and sing a few ditties and smile at each other and go home feeling good about ourselves. But the reality of the matter is the difference is knowing Christ as our Savior. That's something that we have in common, and that's important. We have a desire, I really believe, to grow in faith. I, I believe that, that, that our heart is to walk with Him, and I believe that we share a genuine love for people here at South Valley. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that we love people. I believe that together as a unit, as an assembly, that we express our love to people and we welcome people, and I'm glad for that. And just as our differences are a sign of health among us, so are our commonalities. They're all important. Now, there's something else that we all have in common. Every person, <coughs> excuse me, in this room, to one degree or another, some more than others, but all of us have, <coughs> excuse me, this thing in common that can, if we don't handle it properly, the thing that we have in common can actually divide us. The thing that we have in common, whereas Jesus brings us together, <coughs> this commonality that I speak of can actually drive a wedge between us and can become one of the major differences within our church. And so depending upon how we deal with it, we'll determine whether or not we as individuals add to the overall health of our church or we add to something that causes our sickness. So what I'm talking about is simply this, and that is that we've all been wounded. Every one of us. There's not a person in this room that has not felt at some time the deep cut of rejection or words or actions or betrayal or slander. Somehow, some way, perhaps, perhaps it was an event, a happening that rocked your world. Listen carefully. Every person in this room, to some degree or another, and I realize we've got some young people in the room today, and I realize that theirs is not going to be as deep a cut, as deep a wound as others, and yet the reality of the matter is the thing that we all have in common is that every single one of us have been wounded at one time or another in our life. Some have been wounded by a tragic event the death of a loved one, the betrayal 
of someone that we trusted deeply and thoroughly, yet only to find out that the person to whom we placed our trust was not even the person that we thought they were. Somebody lied. Somebody cheated. Somebody stole. Somebody somebody caused such pain in our life that they wounded us with a very deep, deep wound. Maybe it was somebody that caused pain, not a something, not an event, but a person more deeply perhaps than any other person has ever wounded you. Some wounds are more serious than others. I mean, common sense will tell you that. Just a, just a passing wound by somebody that was insensitive to you is not the same as a wound of someone who has, who has been quaked by an event in their life that shook them to their very foundation. So some wounds are deeper than other wounds, and thereby they take longer to heal. Can I help you with this? Would you listen to this carefully? Nobody ever wrote a book on that. So none of us then, therefore, are experts. I've been through heartaches. I've been through some heartbreaks. But don't look at me as an expert. And the reason I can't be an expert is because every situation is different than the other. And there are different dynamics and there are different, there are different makeups of the very people that go through that furnace. Maybe that's similar to the furnace that someone else went through. But it cannot be the same because it's, it, it's different people involved in it. And I think that sometimes in, in an attempt to make ourselves feel better, we actually demand that the person that is wounded heal quickly. Why? Because I don't like looking at your wound. I don't like hearing about your wound. I want you to heal on my time schedule. That's, that's not always possible. Some wounds take longer to heal than others do, and I think we need to recognize that. And while we've all been wounded, now stay with me today, I beg you, I beg you to just stay with me today. This is important. While we all have been wounded, the critical thing is when we and how we determine what we're going to do with the wound that we have been wounded with. What will we do with the wound? How will we deal with the wound? How will we handle the pain? How will we go through the process of healing and allow God to do what God intends to do in all of our lives. Now, in our text, Jesus is confronting a doubting Thomas. Okay, we read that. Disciples are there. Woo! Everything's good. We saw him. Nails. Yep. Spear in the side. We saw it all. We saw the scars. But Thomas is not there. He, he cannot bring himself to believe, even though these are trusted friends and allies, Thomas can't believe himself to believe the report. He can't bring himself to believe the reports from his fellow disciples that Jesus is alive. He knows what happened at Golgotha. He knows, he saw at some point, I'm sure, 
at least heard the description of the gruesomeness of it. The Roman whipping post we talked about in Sunday school this morning. Thomas knew the horrors of such an event. And now they're saying he's alive. Now, he is by nature, on top of all that, a bit reserved. Thomas is not the kind of guy that says, hey, I'm in. I'm in. Hey, God, we got a, we, we got a speculation deal we're going to jump in on. Uh, if everybody could pitch in 25 bucks, Thomas is in. I pitch in 25 nothing. That's, that's Thomas. I, no, no, I, no, no, you, no, you show me. Let me see some paperwork. Thomas is a bit reserved and, and reticent to believe something that he cannot prove. And without proof, he consigns fact to fiction and, and uh, whatever or whoever they saw in his mind, that's not Jesus. And this is his idea. Did you, did you, uh, did, 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 you, did you touch him? Did you feel the scars? He's looking for something. And then finally he says, look, I don't care what you did or what you saw. If I don't see it, and if I can't put my finger in his wounds and thrust my hand in his side, I don't believe it was him. You, you saw an apparition maybe, but you didn't see Jesus. It was too brutal. So eight days passed, and Thomas is clinging tightly to his unbelief. He's holding on to his doubt, and he's missing the joy. Listen, he's missing the joy that all the others got. They're going around saying, Thomas, you won't believe this at church. We went to church, and Jesus was there. And they were just bubbling over. Have you ever been there? Let me share a blessing with you. And somebody said, yeah, I won't, but that won't last long. You know? You get excited about something and say, whoo! Somebody shared a blessing with me. And then somebody says, well, nobody shared a blessing with me. You know, just, just sort of a bucket of cold water. But here they are saying, we had a church service last night. You missed church, boy. Of all the services you ever missed, you shouldn't have missed then because Jesus was there. And Thomas is just saying, don't believe it. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. He's hanging on. Everybody else is filled with joy. Thomas is like, I doubt it. I doubt it. Guys are saying, man, Jesus, I hope he comes back. I doubt it. I don't think he came the first time. I doubt it. So here's Thomas doubting, clinging to his lack of faith. And then they gather again together behind closed doors for fear of the authority, and something happened that would forever change Thomas's life. The Bible said that Jesus came, and, and when he came into them, what does he say to them again? Peace. Be unto you. We're here behind locked doors. Why? Because we're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid. We locked the door. Jesus didn't need the door unlocked for him. He just walked right through the door. And he came into the middle of them, and this was his message to them. Peace be unto you. I brought peace. In the middle of all this, with everything raging around you, I am here and I am the prince of what I brought. I am the prince of peace and I bring peace to you. Can I tell you this? Listen to me. Look, look, let, let, listen. I'm going to say it one more time. I hadn't said it in a long while, so just stay with me. Let me say it. Could I do that one more time? Stop watching the news 24-7. Okay. Can I give you another good piece of advice? 
don't spend all day on Facebook or Twitter or slap, snap, flap, chat. Okay? Say, look, listen, would, would you do this? Would you just protect your brain? You, you've only got so much gray matter, some more or less than others. Mine's about half full. I could, but, so, so, but, but here's the deal. Listen to me. Stop. I'm not saying don't be ignorant of what's happening in your nation, but don't overdose on it, okay? All you've got to do is scan some things, and you can pick up. Just, just, be, just be careful, you know? And, and so Jesus comes in, and he says, hey, peace be to you. Do you think Jesus could give somebody peace in the middle of what's going on now? Here's the shocking thing when I read my Bible. You know what I find out as I read my Bible? I find out they had a pretty tough time back then too. We think it's just here. Just here. These are bad days. No, no, those were bad days. Those were bad days. Well, yeah, but the government. No, the government. Yeah, but our liberties. No, 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 their liberties. Things weren't good. And the one person that gave them direction was crucified. Now he comes to them and he said, in the middle of all of this, you're hiding behind closed doors, peace be unto you. I got a job for you. I got a job for you. Can I tell you this? This church, this church was established by the will of God. And God has a purpose for our church. He's got a place and a plan. He's got a future for our church. So in spite of everything that goes on around us and all of the phases in and out and up and down and this is happening and that's happening, all of the prognosis, everything that's going on, I know one thing for sure. This is what I know. I know that God is still on the throne. That God still has a plan. And I know this. I know that God can come to us wherever it is we're hiding from whatever we're hiding from and He can say, Psst. Peace to you. I bring in you peace. And he'll speak peace to your heart. And, and I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for it. And so he, he says that. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he, he turns to um, Thomas and, and he, he's going to talk with Thomas. Now, let, let me just say this. Let me, let me give you this real quick. Remember. Remember what Jesus said in, in John chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. So I'm, I'm not, I'm just, let me ask you a question. You got a troubled heart today? Now, now be honest. Has your heart been troubled today? Is there any, you feel troubled about anything? Well, sure you have. These are troubled days in our nation. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus said, I got it. No, no, no. Wait a minute. No, no. Jesus said, I got it. Doesn't matter who thinks they've got it, Jesus has got it. Okay? He's in control. John 14, same chapter, verse 27. Peace I leave unto you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I like that. Philippians 4, verse 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, so the peace of God is able to keep us. Now, now he brings in peace, and then he turns now from the group, and he turns to this guy right there, standing right there, Thomas. Hey, Thomas, I heard you. 
Here I am. Here. Put your fingers in the scar. Here, Thomas. Thrust your hand in the wound in my side. Go ahead, Thomas. That, that's what you wanted. You wanted, you wanted your fingers in, in, in the scars on my hand. You wanted to thrust your hand in the depth of the scar on my side. Here I am, Thomas. Just don't doubt. Just don't doubt. Just believe, Thomas. Don't be faithless. And of course, Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Do you know what Jesus did at that moment? I want you to think with me now. Think with me. You know what Jesus did at that moment? Jesus used his scars to minister to someone else. He said, okay, you don't have faith, you don't believe, you're scared, you're hiding, you think this is so overwhelming? Here's my scars. And by his own scars... He carried Thomas through his unbelief to a place where Thomas had faith. A scar is evidence that a wound has healed. A scab is evidence that the healing is not yet complete. Scabs bleed, scars don't. And so, the presence of a scar speaks of healing, speaks of a process that has happened after the wound that brings you to a place to where your scars can minister to someone else in their time of crisis, in their time of fear, in their time of unbelief. What are you going to do with your wounds? We're all wounded. We've settled that fact. Everybody's been wounded. So the question then becomes... What are you going to do with your wounds? If you let God heal them, He will use your scars to minister and help others in pain, in crisis, in fear, who struggle with their faith. If you don't, listen, listen. If you don't, you know what you will become? Just another bitter person, bitter and bleeding from your wounds that blends in with a world filled with angry, angry, bitter, resentful, unforgiving, wounded people. We'll just be one of the many, disillusioned and resentful. Now, scars come to us by different reasons. I think we need to recognize that fact. Scars come to us by different reasons. First of all, scars sometimes come by accident. It wasn't intentional. It it wasn't on purpose. Somebody said something that hurt you. They passed by you. And they didn't know you were sensitive there. And they just said something. And you're like, can't believe he said that to me. Don't raise your hand if that's happened to you. But it probably has. Somebody was just insensitive, and they said something to you, and it just, you took affront to it. That's where the Bible says, great peace, great what? Great peace. Great peace have all they that love my law, 
and nothing shall offend them. If you stay in the book, it helps you not become so thin-skinned and sensitive because we live in a world of sinful people and probably somebody's going to say something that hurts you and they don't mean to. And if you tell them, you hurt me, they're like, what? I had no idea that I said such a thing. I didn't mean it that way. Especially if you're emailing or texting or Facebooking, you can't read voice inflection. You know, when somebody says, you know, I don't know, just some statement that they're just on their end of the line, their voice is all calm, and you're reading it like, how dare them? Why would she think such a thing? It's unintentional scar. Some scars come by necessity. Maybe God brings that pain into your life to save your life. Maybe He brings it out to save you. You know, I think of, I've got some scars. My cancer scar, my cancer scar is there. And, and quite honestly, um, it, it, was, it was by necessity. And it, and it, may, it may save your life like that scar saved my life. I was knocked out of my senior year of football. Do you know why? Because from the time I was six years old until, until high school, that's what I worshipped. I had a scholarship to go play football at college. I had no idea of ministry when I was 17 years old. Nothing. I had my life planned out. Wasn't Last thing I was going to do was preach. I, I was going to play football. But God knocked me out. I remember sitting on top of a stadium um, press box with the headphones down, calling plays down to my head coach, telling him what the defense was, telling him what we should run. I remember, I remember sitting on that box the first game of my senior year where my guys burst through a banner and ran out on the field and the band is playing and the crowd is cheering and I'm sitting on top of that box up there uh, at Westside Stadium in Savannah, Georgia, and I'm sobbing like a child. You know why? Because God broke my heart. But that was by necessity. I wouldn't have been here today. Chad wouldn't have been married to Georgia. The world would not have had Maddie Sue. I'm just saying God broke my heart that day, but it was of necessity. Sometimes scars come... Uh, by carelessness, like a dad telling his daughter, you know what, you need to lose weight. Or just something, something crass and unkind. Here's a grown man belittling a little girl. That's sad. But sometimes it's just carelessness. I remember I was with a friend of mine, Greg Meyer, and we were out in the field visiting somebody, and there was an open field to his house. He was on a, one of those banana seat swing bicycles, and uh, we were talking about racing, and I said, uh, I made a comment to him, you know, cocky as I was. I said, I can outrun you to your mother's house. I'm on a bike, dude. I don't care what you're on. I can outrun that bike. There's no way in the world across this field you could beat me on that bike. He said, you think so? I said, I don't think so. I know so. So we got down, lined up, just like two wonderful idiots would do. There we are. It's dusk. You can't see far, but we see the lights of his house. So we're going, man. On your mark, get set, ready, go. Boom. I was winning a race that I wish I was lagging far behind. 
but I wasn't. I was beating him. With every stride, Olympian stride, I pulled away. Greg's back here. I'm right here. Greg's edging up on me, so I'm having to try to pick up speed. What neither one of us saw was a three-strand barbed wire fence that I hit at full speed. You talk about tearing my legs up. I hit it so hard, this is true, I hit it so hard that it broke all three strands from the post on both sides of me. That's how fast I was running. I got scars on my legs. I mean, just, just torn up from it. You know what that was from? That was from carelessness. Can I reword that? Ignorance, stupidity, foolishness, dumbness. That was Dean. I just, it's, sometimes we get scars from, from just doing careless, just careless things. Sometimes they come from genuine foolishness. When somebody says, hey, y'all, watch this. There's a scar coming, okay? The famous last words. Hey, guys, watch this. The famous last words. You fix it to get a scar, man. You're on your way to it. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes those things happen. Can I just say this to you? Really, let me be serious. Be careful with your words. You can carelessly scar someone. I, I, I was a part of Bleacher Report. Those of you that know ESPN, Bleacher Report is a group now that does reporting for ESPN. When I was with Bleacher Report, we were connected with Fox Sports, and I sort of helped in that early group of writers that launched. They get paid now. They did not get paid then. But in those early days, we had something that we call keyboard cowards because we would be writing articles for Bleacher Report uh, and, and uh, we would have guys just come in. They would just get, they would get a profile and just, just raid in on somebody's article and call them all sorts of names and criticize their article. And we would make this statement, oh, another keyboard coward. Because nobody's, nobody knows who they are. They're just sitting back punching this thing out. Can I tell you, it's real easy to say vindictive, caustic, abrasive, cutting, slicing things where you're staring at your reflection in a computer screen, close it down and go to bed, not realizing that people on the other side, maybe 25 or 30 people on the other side, are hurt by your words. You can give an account. So if you can't control it, it's probably good to shut it down. So be careful. Be careful with that. Now, the worst of our wounds are those that we carry inside of us. Emotional, emotional things that happen in our life, things, things that don't heal, um, and, and, and we're convinced that nobody sees them, but they come out. They bleed out in our words, in our attitudes, in our emotions. We're wounded on the inside, so we think we're safe. No, you're not safe. It comes out. In your general overall attitude toward life, because your emotions remain raw and your attitude remains bad. Now let me give you just some closing thoughts. Can I do that? We've all got wounds. If you allow them to become scars, it authenticates us to others. Jesus came into the room and Thomas said, I believe you. Did you know this? 
that people, when they see you go through certain things in your life with grace, and that God has sustained you, it authenticates your faith. Before the burning fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. And who is that God that will deliver you from the furnace? After the furnace, after they went through that, Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to make a decree that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is going to be the only God worshipped in the world. You better not say anything about their God. What happened? Their furnace experience authenticated their faith. At first he laughed at him and said, oh yeah, yeah, who's your God? Who's your God? But after he saw them, if I could say it this way, after the scar of the furnace, though they weren't physically scarred, after what he thought would scar them, after they survived that burning fiery furnace, he said, that authenticates who your God is. And it authenticates your faith. Now I know why you didn't bow to the image I made. And so we need to realize that our scars authenticate us to other people. That's why uh, Paul wrote in, 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 to the church at Thessalonica, and he said, Our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. In other words, there's got to be more to our testimony than just what we say. There's got to be the way we live. Listen, can people see God in your life? Do they, see, do they see God in your scars? Do they know that you went through a hard, hard time and yet Jesus Christ walked with you? That authenticates you. Second of all, our scars reveal the Savior. Jump with me to Luke 24 real quick. I'm not going to be long. Just jump to Luke 24. Would you do that? This is important. Luke 24, Jesus has been on the road to Emmaus, the Emmaus Road. He's met with some disciples that are discouraged. And he said, why are you down? Why are you discouraged? Why haven't you heard? The one that we hoped had been the one was crucified. And we don't know what to think now. So Jesus opened the scripture to them and shared with them from Moses until then about the Messiah. They still didn't know who he was. He made like he was just going to move. I'm going, I'm going I, fellas, thank you, I enjoyed the walk with you. I got to go now. And they said, please don't go. We enjoyed your lesson you gave us. Would you eat with us? So, they still didn't know who he was. So they sit down to eat in verse 30, and at 20, Luke 24, 30. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, watch this, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. Well, he talked with them, they didn't know. He walked with them, they didn't know. What made the difference? What opened their eyes? When he took bread, broke it, and gave it to them, they saw scars. Here, 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 here. When he gave them bread, they saw his hands, and their eyes were opened. I want to tell you what 
what our scars do for people. It lets them see beyond who we are. It points to who He is. Listen, there are scars in our life that are absolute testimonies that Jesus is real. Because you couldn't have gone through that, you couldn't have gotten through that, was it not for Him? And so scars reveal the Savior. And none of us want scars because that's suffering. We want bluebird days where the sun's always shining and we're having a great time. But, 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 but listen, listen to Matthew 5. Listen to this quick. Matthew 5. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. If the prophets have scars, do you think you might? what it's saying verse 15 uh, chapter 15 verse 20 of john jesus said remember the word that i said unto you the servant is not greater than his lord if they persecuted me they will also persecute you they've kept my saying they'll keep yours if jesus has scars who are we to think we aren't going to have scars well why do we think that why do we think he saved us to play safe why do you think jesus saved us so that we would never live a life of risk, so that we would never have any trouble and any problem, so that somehow we could play it safe and, and live our life out with, with, with nothing but perfection and joy. Why? That wasn't the life Jesus lived. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and we like the power of resurrection, but the next phrase is the fellowship of his suffering. No, I like his, I like his resurrection. I want to know him in the power. Lord, give me the power of your resurrection in my life. Empower me with your resurrection. Got a sign-up sheet in the back. Everybody want that? Sign your name to it. Oh, it'd be full. Next to it, we have another sheet, and this is it. Jesus, I want to sign up for the fellowship of your sufferings. Uh, no. I'll, I'll take the, I'll, yeah, I'll take the first sheet. Chip, you can have the, the, the fellowship of the suffering deal, okay? I don't want that. Nobody wants suffering. Nobody wants scars because scars indicate suffering. But I want to just tell you, it's your scars that point people to your Savior. It's not the good times. Hey, Dean, how you doing? I'm doing great. Zippity to do No, no, no. People listen when we're in the lion's den. People listen when we're in the furnace. People listen when we go through storms and hardships in our life. Then that validates and points people to Christ. Last of all, and I'll close, and that is simply this. Our scars bring peace. You know who needed peace more than anybody? Well, the apostles, yeah, they did. Because they were afraid, but at least they had faith. You know who needed it more than the rest of them was Thomas. Because his faith, his faith was weak. He was doubting and fretful and short on faith. And Jesus came and said, okay, Thomas, I'm here. Here it is. Here's my scars. Thrust your hand in. Scars bring peace to our life. Can I be honest with you? I prayed for people my whole ministry. 
my whole ministry. I've sat with people in the deepest, darkest places of their life when they had surgeries that their life hinged on. I've been there. I've prayed with them. I've gone through things with them uh, from, from early age on through. But I never, I never myself personally, I, I had never gone through that. But then some things in our life began to happen. We, we, were, we, were, a, we were the problem-free family. And then we find out Georgie's got to have nine-hour back surgery to have a titanium rod inserted in her back. That's a lot of money. And, and she, you know, I remember the day of the surgery in Augusta, Georgia, at the Children's Hospital, Georgia walked to the door of the hotel, opened it up, said, well, what a beautiful day to have surgery. Nine hours later, she was saying, mm-hmm, I like this morphine button. Give me two, you know. She'd be asleep pressing the button. Christmas the next year, I had a guy in the medical industry that got me one of those. I gave it to her just so she could sleep at night. Wasn't hooked to anything, just she can press the button. Listen, all of a sudden, good night, we got a kid having major surgery. We were shocked. I won't go into all the things that our family's been through. Your family's been through things too. But you know what you do? You come through the other side and you know that God is real. That Jesus is there. There were, there were things in my life I thought, no, that's for everybody else. It ain't for me. I ain't, I ain't doing that. I ain't having, no, I ain't doing no, 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 no. I go to the doctor. They say, at your age, there's some things you need to have. No, I ain't doing that. Not doing that. Not going to that. No, thank you. Thank you anyhow, but no thank you anyhow. Not doing it. I'll tell you what, here's a good idea. I'll call you. You don't call me. Okay? I run. Because I run, therefore, I needeth not anything done to me. And so that was my mentality. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden after preaching revival, I'm in, a, I'm, in an, I'm in an ambulance going to the hospital not knowing what in the world's going on. And I just thought, here we go. I mean, here we go. Jesus, I don't know what's happening, but I know you're with me. And I've said this to you before. Never in my life have I ever personally, in a way, I just, I felt like if I rolled to my right or my left, I'd bump into him. He was that real. And then the prognosis of cancer, and then the surgery. You know what that scar tells me that I have? My, uh, my scar? One of my scars. You know what it tells me? that my God has me in his hand and that nothing can happen to me. I came to church. Diana Lafferty met me, and she said, Welcome to the fraternity. Well, it's not a fraternity any of us wanted to be a part of, but this is what I'm, this is what I'm saying. When you find out that God can get you through your wounds and can turn your wound from a scab to a scar and can use your scar to minister to people that are going through the same thing you went through when you were bleeding, when you find that out, it brings unbelievable peace in your life. You learn more about your God. Listen, and I close. 
You learn more about your God when you're wounded than when you're healthy. You will learn more about who your God is when you're bleeding than when you're whole. And here's the beautiful thing about it. If you've got scars today, well, preacher, I've got some scars. I got some scars. Well, here's the beauty about scars. You know what it means? It means you survived. Check your pulse right now. You know what it means? If you've got a scar, it didn't kill you. You're breathing, you're alive, and God still has a purpose for your life. Now, when God's through with Dean, you know what he's going to do? He's going to call Dean home. I'm going to go to heaven. As soon as I get there, there's going to be Ernie, this, this Indian motorcycle. It's, you don't leave it here. It's there. Now, listen to me. I don't care. Some of you say no. If your dogs can be in heaven, my motorcycle can too. Okay, so let's... Let's get that settled doctrinally, right? Well, tell me your cat's going to be there and my motorcycle isn't. I don't believe that. And if they're horses, horsepower. Come on, Ernie. Come on. I mean, if, anyhow. All right, so if they're horses in heaven, maybe. But anyhow, I'm just simply saying, when he's through with me, he's going to call me home. But until then, he'll take my wounds, turn them to scars, and allow me to minister to somebody else. Let's bow our heads. Could we do that? His bowed eyes closed. Right where you are, I want you to think about what you're hurting from. Preacher, it's killing me. What is it? It's killing me. No, it won't kill you. You're still here. You're alive. You survived. Hey, preacher, I'm I'm bleeding, okay? Let me ask you a question. Do you want to heal? Do you want to heal? Are you willing to let God heal you today? You take it to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm aching down deep inside. I'm bleeding. Heal me. If that's your heart's desire, He'll turn your wound into a scar. and He'll use you to minister to someone else in the same situation you've been in. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to tell you we'll take a Bible before you leave this place and show you how you can know you have a personal relationship with Him. Father, I pray today that you would just continually work on our hearts This is a world that seems to bloody people up emotionally at times. It's it's not always an easy place. Help us, Lord, I pray, to have faith in you and to allow you to take our wounds and turn them to scars that we might be used by you rather than aching our life away that you could find something in the depth of our pain that would help someone else. Lord, we'll thank you for what you do and how you bless. In Jesus' name.